0: Hello, and thanks for listening to the Green Majority Podcast. So for those uh, people who've been listening to us following about the producer stuff, we are now officially closed to accepting new applications, and Stefan and I are hard at work at going through them. We will have news for you shortly. And if you did send us an email, don't worry if you haven't had a reply just yet. We're going to be sending out uh, some information shortly, so that is progressing. And the only other thing I'll say, aside from the fact we had a really fun show today, and I hope you enjoy it very much, uh, is that uh, if you uh, didn't apply, but you're interested in supporting the program or helping us get that support, Support, you can always be a patron you can do that at patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot slash green majority and this is going to help us pay for our new producer who's going to help us make the show awesome uh, because they're actually going to have time to do a really good job on it unlike Stefan and i believe it or not that's actually just us winging it every week imagine what we could do imagine with a producer thanks so much and enjoy the show Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is the Green Majority here <laughs> on CIUT eighty nine point five FM. It's good morning if you're listening to us live on CIUT. It might be morning, afternoon, evening, night. It could be the middle of the night. It could be like three in the morning. Right. I we've done we've done this a lot recently, but I really enjoy the thought of thinking that there could be someone listening to this like hundred years in the future. Yeah what's uh, up future man or woman
1: did we do it <laughs> did we do it well if they're listening to something based on technology uh, th- I'm pretty yeah, sure we're doing we did okay. it okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like although maybe they're listening to us off like some old uh, like laptop that they found a USB drive for some reason right I don't know why this is the show is what they would save but well just, it's good just news. random circumstance yeah it's the one thing just
0: by pure chance I'll right. take that yeah All right. cool so you're listening to the green majority um we're having some fun yeah. um Stefan's here I'm here. I'm your host, Saren Kaster. Stephen Steven here. You could be listening to us live on CIEt, as I already said. You might be listening on one of our wonderful and very appreciated community radio sponsors. Uh, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, really, um, why find out about random radio stations that have been playing us for six months to a year and didn't know about it all the time? Yeah. So there so you go. So if you're
1: playing us and listening to us right now and we don't know, tell us. <laughs> Maybe just send us, maybe everyone who listens to the show should send us an email. There we go. Just every single person. Yeah, every single person. Um, That would
0: actually be really great, but that's not (laughs) going to happen. So uh, so here's what's happening today, uh, before we get just really too far down a well of Random stuff. Um, So we might have a guest. Uh, There's a little bit of a technical problem. Uh, If not, we'll make sure we invite him back. But potentially on uh, today's show is a fellow podcaster. Is actually a uh, podcaster uh, from Los Angeles. Uh, His name is Ash. uh, Runs a show called Parksify, and it's talking about urban space. Um, if we don't, if we don't end up getting him on, I may just do a little preview of uh, what his show was about anyway, and you can go check it out if you're interested. Um, or we might just talk him to him. So it's uh, Ash uh, Blakenship may or may not be on the program today. We'll see what we can do. Um, regardless, though, um, Stefan and I both have some news. Um, I have. Uh, some stuff uh, that was more looking at some of the uh, IPCC type stuff. There were some interesting new sciencey things that came out, um, which is one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm really in support of like properly done research, and I will accept the conclusion of people smarter than me because I'm not ideological. I'm science based, but boy, does it make me nervous that someone's going to misuse this, because of course they will type (laughs) type news, uh, because there's news that could be easily misinterpreted if you were looking to misinterpret things. Mm. Uh, And then there's some other terrifying news um, uh, and stuff some sort of okay news. All right. And then some news I don't understand that I'm going to ask you about because it involves Bitcoin. And Uh, as much as I'm a technical person, I don't know nothing about
1: Bitcoin. I I even saw the headline and I already started salivating. I will go (laughs) off on Bitcoin. Okay.
0: (laughs) All right. So Stefan's doing Bitcoin, but what else? You're going to start as well. You're doing wolves. Something about
1: wolves. Yeah, wolves. So... This is a fun little fact. We've the great thing about when when volunteers uh, go off into the world is then you get to call them correspondents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a Vancouver correspondent uh, who was here in the show, uh, dear to Leonita, uh, Leonata.
0: Leonata. Uh, Leonata. I,
1: I, she corrected me enough times I now got it Leonata. all right um, uh, sent us this story from BC we have a so we have a, we have a BC correspondent now um, and it's it's all about wolves and we don't talk about wolves that often on the show not nearly enough for how great wolves are and when we do it's usually metaphorical exactly yeah but these are real wolves real live wolves um and and basically there's a it's one of these stories that is interesting in a standpoint of. I had actually a debate uh, with uh, with one of our producers yesterday uh, about this story, specifically around the fact of of, of what it means when ninety five percent of an or, of of people are against a policy that is still being put forward, <laughs> um, and and how that can be sort of orchestrated, um, and so. Basically, what's happening right now is that the B.C. government uh, is hoping to lengthen wolf trapping season uh, to 10 months out of the year on Vancouver Island to preserve deer populations. And this is a. Uh, an interesting decision, uh, shall we say, uh, it, it, it's it's sort of going back to the sort of this idea that just killing and uh, culling wolves is the solution to protecting sort of deer populations when. Really, what's happening is that you know the the de- the wolves themselves are being sort of pushed, and deer also being pushed out out by human existence. Uh, and then are, we're like, well, now there's not enough space for both wolves and deer. Well, better get rid of one of them, uh, is apparently our solution to how we deal with these sort of things. Although there's
0: two discrete. Uh Entities bothering us, so let's pit them against each other. Is kind of a tried and true human. That's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Although we, what we haven't done is arm the deer. That's the <laughs> that's that's the real human solution. Is just that's, to give the deer ak 47 d- Don't get happens. ahead of it,
0: Stefan. That's next week. Let's okay. Not,
1: we're not getting oh, right that yet. Man, the BC li- BC NDP government is really going off the rails. <laughs> um, but that's what. It, but that's what's interesting about this is that this has started. Tw- this is our this this whole idea started about three years ago, uh, and the last population estimate for actually how many wolves are on the island was in 1994 so it's quite some time ago and these particular wolves are are genetically distinct uh and quite rare globally and and so and so there's a campaign that sort of started off uh, uh to actually save the wolves uh it's the hashtag is hashtag save bc wolves because they made it as clear as possible appreciate good solid clear hashtags um and and what, what sort of what happens uh, so january 20. 2015, BC's mountain caribou were on the edge of of survival due to human activity. The BC government started blaming the wolves uh, and gives targeting wolves uh, with aerial killing, uh, which at this point is exactly what you'd imagine. Aerial killing is, which is that people are going around with helicopters shooting wolves with what I'm in my mind are sniper rifles. Um, almost certainly are not in that particular case, but this is what they're doing. They're they're killing wolves from this, from the air, uh, which I think just like at, as, a, as I think was the problem with that one was it was just a little too. Visually stimulating, so it caused international condemnation. Everyone was like, "No, this is obviously a bad idea." Um, and so, the and so and so in February, literally a month later, after they started shooting wolves out of at, from from the sky, uh, the campaigns... which say- of course, just for can't possibly go wrong right exactly yeah there's no part of this that sounds absolutely ludicrous um the the save the wolf save the bc wolves campaign begins and public action started growing um in october 2015 there's sort of briefing notes that sort of shows that the government was uh was prompted by the forest steering industry to to launch the wolf call uh for fears that the plan for caribou would demand more logging areas to be set aside so this is like so this is literally like all the ruse. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh no, our logging is her- destroying too much habitat. Better kill all the wolves. Only Canada could have a wolf-based conspiracy. Uh, it's, it's it's a good conspiracy. Well, also, this this does have everything. Let's be real here. It's got <laughs> it's got it's got helicopters. It's got wolves. It's got a whole um. It's all we got need is intrigue. some sharks with freaking laser beams on their head, and we're uh, good to go. I'm only halfway through the timeline. This could <laughs> oh, still I come. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Um, in so in December 2015, the government tries to, to ramp up the wolf call, uh, but attention extends public and it but also. Uh, extends the public comment period. And in polling figures, this is where the polling fairs come in, basically show that 95% of, of BC opposes sport hunting of any kind. So this is like trophy hunting. This is basically what wolf killing is doing. Um, and and then the, but BC government releases proposals to significantly escalate trophy hunting of bears and wolves, again, as sort of a part of this, about this campaign. Um, and then by BC 2016, the government answers that it's doubled the body count of, for the number of wolves you can kill. Um, and then also sort of it, it carries forward to uh, to allow development to destroy and fragment much of the sort of mountain habitat of where the wolves are, the, where the caribou are living. So they cannot survive there any longer. Um, and they knew this was going to be happening. And so, again, like this is like what's happening here is that like they are they are killing the caribou and then blaming the wolves uh, is what is, is what is currently is, is what is occurring. Um, and then. By August 2016, uh, there was more habitat allowed, but destruction allowed by the National Energy Board, which I will not get into the National Energy Board. You've heard us talk about it forever. Um, in 2017, uh, of January 2017, the B.C. government admits that culling is inhumane and, but still cons- considers the expansion. Uh, in February of, this, of last year, the government in B.C. concluded a study about the protection of this caribou. Uh, and then uh, today literally today is the deadline for the, to let the Fish and Wildlife branch know that you oppose the plan to, to lengthen the wolf trapping season. And again, wolf trapping is this point, they've, they've, they've gone away from helicopters, so now they're just trapping wolves in, uh, um, with, with leg traps, which alone have a, you know, a pretty pretty inhumane as you go, as, as, as traps and things go. Uh, arguably, shooting them from helicopters probably leaves them at least a little, little faster, at least death, if that's your goal. Um, but one thing I want to w- weird. Weird about here is that one thing I want to point out is that over this time, the everything up until you know uh, February of the, of last year um, was of this timeline was uh, was the Liberal government, and since then there's a new government. The NDP ha- NDP and Greens have taken over the BC legislature since then, and and so they. This is not their plan. Like th- this. this should be a way for them to sort of actually sort of signal to the people who elected them that they are not going to be just the BC liberals again uh, which is clearly what everyone is concerned about given this what they've they're already backtracking on, uh, or give uh, their acceptance of the site C dam uh, which is a much sort of bigger wider known issue but they've already done this and so I think like their population wise people are looking at them to be like why did we elect you if you're just going to be the exact same government? You know what are you doing differently? And and this extension of this of this of this of the of the wolf trapping season is a part of this sort of like well we've already done a lot of other bad things so I guess this is what we're, we're, we're this is where we're at now, um, and and so they're still trying to expand it and I think this is a moment in which the NDP and Greens could come together and be like oh wait no we're not the same thing we are actually going to try to find a better more ecologically stable maybe a way that allows for wolves to maintain stay in this population. Um... To to carry forward because wolves are uh, quite an important part of these ecosystems. If if you haven't um, if you if you haven't really looked into the, the ecosystems, you understand why this decision would be made. And what's interesting and kind of odd is that there's other studies that are actually showing that one of the thing about also helping BC caribou is isn't even necessarily wolf calls. Wolf culling is not actually. Uh, there's a study that came out in August of 2017, um, which came out talking about how um, part of the problem with BC caribou, now this isn't on Vancouver Island specifically, this is sort of all in BC, but part of the problem isn't actually even wolves, it's that they're being pushed out by deer and by, and by moose, uh, and so the caribou are having sort of a different, a different problem entirely, um, and, and it has to do again with, with ecosystem management. Which which we are doing a very bad job of, uh, in part because we're listening to industry demands rather than actually trying to protect the the ecosystems here. And well, it's it's
0: it's ecosystem management following the sort of thinking pattern of like a you know uh, multinational corporation, which is this this thing isn't profitable enough. Fire everyone, except fire everyone. In this case, it's literal. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and and this is like, and this is a. It's an opportunity also to look back at some of the types of ways that wolves have been so obviously um, useful, or not useful, but important, as a part of ecosystems. You know, like if you look at the, there's a great, great, great story about uh, how much the Yellowstone National Park was impacted when they added wolves back into that ecosystem. There's a lot, for a while they did exactly this sort of thing, they were trying to protect everyone, and so they, and so they removed all of, um, all of the wolves from Yellowstone National Park. I believe it was Yellowstone National Park. Um, and, and then we added them back, and there's this great story about how the actual... I believe the, the story is all about how actually the river... the how the river ran changed because they added wolves back into it. And it had to do with a combination of the, how the wolves uh, ate the, the deer, and so the deer wouldn't eat all the grass, but it was right beside the the river, which then actually made the river change course. And so it was this con- conversation about how little we understand about even these larger ecosystems that we're, that we're messing with, let alone sort of the, mic- the minutiae um, of of how a wolf and a wolf populations actually impact rivers and how rivers are made. And, th- and this is like, this is part of the problem we have here is that we've decided that we can just sort of like presume that we understand all these things and so if a logging company would prefer to not give up more wood uh, or more more forest then they'll just convince everyone to kill a whole bunch of wolves instead of actually addressing the fact that we are just not creating enough space for these animals to live in
0: well so and if i can just take a moment because i I feel like we're uh yeah we're getting towards the first break here um so if I, I want to take the an opposite tact uh, or a tact I, uh, a path I don't often go down which is to try and create room for there to be a good answer to something uh, which is that it is entirely possible and occasionally and I'm I'm certainly not and, and I will say as well for Stefan that he is not mm-hmm. uh, in a position to be the arbiter of which is which but it is entirely possible and plausible to me uh, not too hard to, to believe that that sometimes, you know, the the reason why, you know, just one example of when we have a single a specific government and then there's a, a hoopla because people aren't happy about a certain decision. And then a new government comes in saying, you know, on the back of saying, we're not going to do this thing. And then they do it anyway. And that there is that the reason is that it turns out there's actually a much better reason for doing it than the people thought. And when they get in there and they actually get firsthand access to all this information that it turns out that it really is awkwardly the best thing to do for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and that it isn't a case of corruption and that really they are doing their due diligence and that for reasons unbeknownst to us This really is in our best interest versus the alternatives, mm-hmm. right? That's totally possible and, in, and it may in fact be plausible The, the problem is is that um, governments are terrified of people <laughs> and so in the I would say Rare exception when this happens because I'm a cynic maybe you're more optimistic and you think that this is often the case um, but regardless of the fact, um, the government's reaction is to sort of bury their head in the sand and hope nobody notices and it goes away, even when it isn't for bad reasons mm-hmm. and it isn't corruption and it isn't them being, you know, having no backbones. And, uh, you know, you just you got to make the case. You know, people um, I think you got to be- give people more credit than they do. People are who are not going to like you are not going to like you no matter what you do. Um, So, make the case to the people who are yours to lose, right? Explain it to them. Hey, look, I know this seems really bad, but it turns out here's what we learned and it changed our minds and we hope you agree, you know? And maybe people don't, but like that's so much better because in addition to the fact that people aren't going to just let stuff go, they're going to hold a grudge, um, but this contributes just to just this overall feeling of hopelessness and like our votes don't matter and all that stuff. That's one of the biggest problems for our democracy, right? Like, you're just making it worse. So make, make a case. Make your case. Even if it's a bad argument, even if you have to make something up. Like, I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, we just have to put pressure on everybody. Whether you agree but, with them or not, just make your case.
1: When I think, I feel like the, the thing about something like this sort of leads to this problem with the consideration of the kind of democracy that we live in, is that I think the reason why uh, the government probably sort of like, okay, let's go forward on this idea, is that they just presume not enough people care right like it's it's this is on un, un, this is unquestionably we've seen what's funny thing about this is that each time public pays attention to this again they 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 you know the government backtracks right they were they had started shooting wolves from the air and everyone was like maybe don't do that and then and then they and then and then that stops and so it's almost as if every time there's some sort of salience that's that is that is gripped for this campaign the the this reason prevails and every time it sort of goes back it goes into the background it sort of it, it gets harder again. It, rem- it reminds me actually of this of the study uh, that I that I reviewed here at, when I was work- when I was studying here at U of T was which was about how the impact of uh, of big business interests impacted different uh, decisions. And there was a sort of understanding that you know big business usually would win the sort of big battles because they had enough money and blah, blah blah, and then and then and then that was sort of the idea. But the study sort of flipped that on its head and said that big business was good at winning the things no one knew about because you because you could do that. But as soon as an issue got salient enough, then more often than not, actually the people won. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it was this interesting concept of like. So when the more money that a big a business started spending on something, the more salient it became, the actual more likely that it was that that the that the sort of general populist would opinion would move forward. Whereas as soon as they sort of the populace stopped paying attention big business interests would start creeping in again. And I think that's what we're seeing a little bit here, which is every time every time the populace is like, "Oh no, we need to pay attention to this," you see a backtracking from the government. Every time that we sort of stopping attention, it car- it finds another way to basically get to the same thing, right? They, you know, they, they avoided the one kind of hunting to switch to, to extending the trapping season. All of the seems the appearance all the things appear to be moving forward um, in that kind of capacity.
0: What is, and an, another really quick way to look at that sort of thing too is it because you're sort of talking about sort of like soft money, if you will, or soft influence, which is sort of quietly pushing on little things that add up to big things Mm -hmm. uh, because it's harder to notice. Uh, is in that same case you know we have like uh, campaign donation limits right and so mm. be like well you know that you can't say that that an industry has captured XYZ government or or you know what this or that or this politician because look they're only allowed to give them you know four hundred forty eight dollars each yes but if they've given four hundred forty eight dollars each to every liberal in the country and the federal organization like there's a number of ways to get money in there by the end of the day you can still get several million dollars into a campaign if not more Um, so, and never mind all the sort of like behind the scenes, tricky ways you can sort of skirt those things. Like, Oh, I'm not going to give it to you, but I'm going to donate this space, right? Gift in kind or like there, I I don't know the rules. Maybe that's not okay, but there's a number of ways to get money into stuff. So I'm going to be like, okay, well maybe, you know, Stefan's the politician and I'm, I'm the, the business who's trying to get policy that I want, you know, maybe Stefan's seat is really, really safe. Maybe there's nothing I could do to, to get rid of Stefan's seat but I could sure put a bunch of money into seats that aren't safe. And be like, great, how do you enjoy your seat as the only green majority sitting member on the entire, uh, you know, Senate or, or, or on the House floor or whatever, where wherever we're talking about. Um, Good luck to you. You know, enjoy all that power as you sit quietly on the back bench by yourself. Right. So like this, that's the sort of influence that we're talking about. It's it's a lot more insidious than seductive. And because of that and because it's so normalized, like the people who are in that system don't see it as corruption. Right. It's just it's just how things work for them. Right. Which is why they don't see it. Why, you know, they would bristle at us saying that that's sort of like legal, legalized Mm.
1: corruption and legalized bribery is is because for them, that's just doing business. Well, the what I love about perhaps the most uh, the second most ridiculous part of the story the first more, the most the first most will still be shooting uh, shooting wolves from the sky uh, there's just not I don't think I'm gonna find a story in a while that will top that as a level of ridiculous um, the most, second most ridiculous thing is the rationale that the that the BC government is put forward to why they should extend it which is and and what's funny is when this was first when Dear first sent this to us, she described it this way. And and you do when you when you read it first, I was like, that's gotta be like a slight that's gotta be a slight change of, of actually what it is. And then and then I sort of sent then it, then then we looked at it again and no, this is actually basically the argument, is that the they're, argument they're basically is it's too expensive to monitor uh, how many wolves there are on Vancouver Island. Um, and it's too difficult um, and too low of a conservation concern that so they were just like, well, it's too hard to figure out how many there are, so let's just kill them. As uh, is, is and, and that's like that's like it's obviously not worded that way, but that is basically what they're saying, and that can't be the answer. Like, like uh, the, the, to me, that's one of those things where it's like, if you want to talk about something like the number of things we do that are too expen- that, that are expensive that we accept as cost and then this is like oh it's too expensive to monitor these wolves so let's just kill all right. of them and, just also, seems the, to be and a, also the dog ate my homework and it's, just like, it's, <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like then find the money like, it, it, or, or do anything else like it, it's just one of those things where it's like this can't be the answer we have your last answer was sending helicopters to shoot them and your next answer is well they're expensive to count you were already looking after where are the helicopters now send in the helicopters this is my demand right well you know it wasn't so long ago Stefan, that we were having a debate in
0: this country about you know the cost and versus the value of the census problem solved just put arsenic in the water and there's no Canadians <laughs> right. and there's no cost of the census and we get to keep it free, there's a the census
1: of zero free consensus right or census and that, consensus to be fair you get to have your cake and you eat it too yeah uh well and it's, so if you want if you're listening to this live you can comment still on the website to save the bc uh the bc wolves or just follow the hashtag as i'm sure more things will come up as we move forward
0: and if you not listening live we tr- we did try you.
1: yeah exactly uh and yeah save hashtag save the bc wolves uh check out the um the work being done at PacificWild.org uh who are ab- campaigning for this uh and all the information is there as well to how to comment and everything Ooh, like that. if well if you didn't know about
0: this Stefan and you're listening in in bc and it's too late well i guess that's a good argument for being on the podcast isn't it oh, you would have had it the same day yeah there you go man <laughs> if only i'd known <laughs> uh all right let's go to uh let's go to a break it's still not impossible that we'll have our guest today um But uh, it's not looking super likely, but that's okay. We always have lots to talk about. So we're going to go to uh, Megan now, who's going to give us our first music break.
1: Okay, so for our first music break, we have Weaves. This is Walk Away.
0: All right, we are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here live on CIUT 89.5 FM or on one of our wonderful, very appreciated community radio partners. Oh, that was so fast. So fast. Maybe I should say it again. (laughs) No. Uh, Check the website if you missed that any of those words are printed in print form to read at your own speed on the greenmajority.ca thank you Stefan so the the news story we're gonna start with here is regarding climate sensitivity and it is talking about uh, the models used (coughs) to predict the possible ranges of Earth's temperature warming over the next century among other things Um, but one of the oft use numbers because humans like round numbers it seems more important it's like if i say what was that old george carlin uh joke about the it wouldn't have as much chutzpah to it if it was the nine commandments uh (laughs) humans like round numbers it's true so we like to compare to 2100 so they're uh the the seems like good news and the part that could easily be misused if you were looking for an opportunity to do so is that the extreme ranges of the prediction about what we will reach by 2100 which is very important we'll get to why that's an important caveat um in a minute uh but have been reduced so both the the uh, minimum and the maximum have been brought in so we're now very likely uh i think this is a reputable study. It was published in Nature. It's being uh, uh, backed up by people who worked from the IC- IPCC, including as well as well-known people like Michael Mann, aka the hockey stick hockey stick graph guy. A lot of big names here, so I think we're we're pretty good to go with this data as far as now. And they they and also I like to note as well that remember we talk a lot about how conservative scientists are. Uh, I think they're learning to some degree in one way to be a little bit less science talky uh, when speaking to the public. So that's part of it. Uh, but also, they're still fairly conservative. So there's some pretty firm language in here. So I can think we can deduce a, a quite a high degree of certainty, at least at this time. Hmm. And what, so what it's talking about, again, uh, is that that range. So we're saying, you know, we might have this range to that range by 2100. And so the numbers have been brought in, which means the the minimum we can count in has gone up. Uh, but the maximum we could be concerned about has been brought down quite significantly. Uh, <clears throat> so the range that was originally used uh, under the IPCC for the last 25 years was 1.5 degrees to 4.5 degrees Celsius, uh, 2.7 and 8.1 if you're using Fahrenheit. <clears throat> so the range has been reduced to 2.2 2, uh, 2. 2 to 3.4, which is better. That's 1.1 uh, less on the maximum. Uh, so whew, rest easy. Um, So if accurate, as it says here, uh, it precludes the most destructive doomsday scenarios, uh, quote there, uh, the scientists have produced a far more accurate estimate of how the planet will respond to increasing CO2 levels. So they're they're quite confident at this time of these numbers. So the part obviously that could be misused is someone could say, aha, even science says, even scientists say that it's not going to be
1: bad as we thought it was. Okay, well, well, how bad is three point four? It turns out pretty bad. <laughs> not even, not even three point four. This is the thing about you could rewrite this in a very different way, which is to me like what well, they've basically said. The now, minimum has doubled. <laughs> well, the minimum now is above the, the the level of warming presumed that will unleash methane. Like this is basically saying that we've we've cannot keep it under two degrees, which is the only stated goal of the climate movement for the last who knows how long. Like this is this is truly. Bad news. And this is this is taking into account, you know, sort of current
0: existing stuff and also some degree of global trends like this is a prediction model. So it has to take into account predictions and uncertainties include both the climate itself, which is the range, but also that range is also taking into account sort of like where we are and what what we're what we're anticipating to be doing soon. So if we drastically changed. our our operations model, these numbers would change. The formula wouldn't, but the output numbers from the formula would change. But what it's saying with right now is essentially, as as Stefan as you were just correctly pointing out, one of the big takeaways from this is that the minimum by which we're trying really hard to stick below because it's the minimum we think is safe, which is 1.5
1: degrees, is the absolute best case scenario. <laughs> well and now it's the best case scenario that we've that they've basically cut off in this model. This model no longer even says 1.5 is possible. It says 2.2 is pop, is most likely, 2.8 being the most likely. A 2.2 is the lowest end and 2.8 being most likely, which means that sure by 2100 it may not have warmed that much, but if we've if by 2100 it's 2 it's 2.2 degrees, that means we'll already have seen the methane in the atmosphere begin or that the methane that's currently trapped underneath permafrost to be released. Like we've already got to the point in which the point of no return which is has been passed and so like the Anthropocene will be a very short experience because it's only going to last as long until we lose control of the climate again, which is, happens when you hit approximately right. two degrees of global warming.
0: And so as you say, so the big takeaway, that's not even it, the big, the big takeaway here, and the big thing to, to uh, you know write this down on the back of your hand <clears throat> and just wait for somebody to come and try and, you know, some person on the internet to try and, you know, use this, st- misuse this study to tell you, haha, see, it turns out this isn't a problem. Here's the thing you write on the back of your hand. This model does not Take into account, in any way, feedback loops. Yeah. What is one of the biggest concerns about climate change, Stefan, is? Feedback loops. Boom. Nailed it. So, feedback loop. What happens? So, recently we've been talking about uh, uh, melting rates of uh, various Arctic ice sheets. We've been talking about melting of permafrost. Uh, Ice sheet goes down. Sea level goes up. By meters, Uh, green uh, all the methane under the permafrost goes up. We just dumped. uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but you know, like billions of cars worth of like it's a climate bomb.
1: (laughs) Well, then there's enough methane in in under permafrost to basically well again to 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 put us
0: up to like four or five single-handedly.
1: Well, to remove our ability to control it anymore, right? It doesn't matter if we stop. It doesn't matter if but you hit 2.2 degrees warming and you're carbon zero humans. Right. we've already lost control of, right. of the warming because of the methane. Right. And a feedback loop is called a feedback loop because... Because it comes back and makes things worse. Because again. it feeds itself. It's yes. a, It's a feedback loop. Well, a positive feedback loop does that. A negative right. feedback loop is the opposite. Right.
0: But the the point of the loop is that it's not a circle. It's a loop, which right. means that you once you get to zero, once the clock goes all the way around, you start again. <laughs> right. So permafrost, mo- uh, permafrost melts, dumps a bunch of stuff in the atmosphere, <clears throat> then climate resettles to that. Then that temperature melts other things. Then it hits again. So it self feeds itself. It's a positive, as you say. It's a positive feedback loop, which means it's self reinforcing. Right. <clears throat> It's kind of like someone's behavior uh, when they're intoxicated and they keep drinking, right? It's not, you're not going to, oh, if I have a fourth drink, I'll be even more, I'll be more sober. No, that's <laughs> not how that works, right? And that's the exact same thing. So when we're talking about this, we're talking about like the best case scenario for now is if and, and assuming none of those major tipping points. And one of the things specifically identified in the study is that is that it assumes flat, and it's only assuming flat because that's the only way you can create a model like this, but we already know one of the flaws with the study is not to say that its its output is invalid and that it, we can't rely on it, is that it's only viable in certain scenarios, is assuming that there will uh, not be any of these tipping points, and that when we hit a tipping point, large or small, there's a lurch, and those lurches reset all these numbers. So at this point, as you say, Stefan, 2.2 degrees warming, which is above even the original targets is now the absolute you just won a lottery ticket pie in the sky is that we're in a lot of trouble you yeah. know the the chances of you winning a lottery ticket today mm-hmm. is about the chances of us being in only a lot of trouble yeah. <laughs> assuming we don't change anything so this isn't the you know go as i hate to use alcohol again but you mm-hmm. know go get wasted it's too late you know you know hands in the air thing, this this is assuming nothing changes, but this means that now we are now officially in the period where catastrophic, sorry, let me find a better word for that Uh, uh, fundamental Systems change at a fundamental level across the board is now re- the only way to avoid climate disaster. We're now that's we're now in the terror territory where things that we didn't want to do because it would be disruptive, or things that we wanted didn't want to do because it might hurt the economy, or it might be unstable, or things that we didn't want to do because it was inconvenient or we didn't like it. Uh, those are now not those are now non-options. They're now yeah. non-non-options. Yeah. Uh, they're now required. We're gonna have to do painful stuff. Yeah. We're gonna have to do stuff that may or may not hurt the economy. We may have to do things that that we don't want to. Do um, because the alternative is chaos.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and and yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff uh, f- stuff there that is just what. We just every time. What's interesting about this is that every time you, we every time we have this conversation, which happens, I feel like once every two months, we have, we have the no two point two degrees warming is terrifying. What about four? That's even scarier right. story. Um, and the is, point that two point two leads to four. Exactly. Yeah. Almost directly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but part of that. Every time we do that, I feel like it's there's also this piece of it of being like, all right. Uh, what are things we can, what, what are, what are ways that we can, what are the ways that we can start trying to avoid some of this? And one of those ways is to stop worshiping Bitcoin.
0: Yes. <laughs> Thank, oh, nice segue. Carry Thank on, you. Stefan.
1: Um, uh, so aside from the fact that it just irritates me generally as oh, a okay. topic of conversation. Yeah, yeah <laughs> as, as, exactly. Aside of the fact that like, th- like th- there's, I feel like a, I want to make a important, uh, separation between, uh, the pro the, the, the idea of blockchain technologies, uh, which has a variety of uses, and specifically Bitcoin, um, in part because, bit, because, not, because Bitcoin just has a lot of people telling me how much I should have bought Bitcoin before and how I'm an idiot that I don't currently own Bitcoin. And they, people just want to say the word Bitcoin 75 times. Um, is, is also that its, uh, it's energy use is, is massive. Um, and part of the idea of, you know, goes, again, the selling point of Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, which basically means that it's, it's, it's it uses a algorithm or a sort of a, a set of computers to, uh, and a, a way to sort of, to limit the, it, it's, it's creation. Basically, and then also to validate its existence. It's this whole the, the way of blockchain works. It's, it's somewhat complicated, so I'm not going to try to explain here. And also because I don't fully understand it well enough to try to do it in a way that would be reasonable to the average person. But if you Google "explain blockchain to a five year old," uh, there are some good videos out there that do this. Yes. Um, but what it basically, but the the thing that matters for a climate perspective though is that it. Uh, to do all of the calculations is required to maintain and to mine and to make new Bitcoin. And mining Bitcoin acts as if you're creating anything beyond a number in a computer system. But anyways, um, is incredibly energy intensive. It's it's so, it's currently, uh, it's currently on pace for just over 42, I, I believe this is terawatt hours of electricity in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning that it would be using more energy uh, than New Zealand. Can I do the other one? Yeah, than one one trillion? Uh, One million. One million transatlantic flights. Yeah, yeah. It's using more than one million transatlantic flights New Zealand, Hungary, and just behind Peru um, as it's uh, for CO2 missions. Um, uh, Well, that's electricity. And then, yeah, it it uses 20 meg is 20 megatons uh, of CO2 emissions which is roughly 1 million transatlantic flights.
0: So if anyone tries to troll you as an environmentalist because uh you took a plane once, yeah. uh,
1: ask them if they're used bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they have, if they have half a bitcoin, it is I'm uh, <laughs> using
0: a millionth of
1: the problem board. Yeah. And again, it's 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 not um and the problem with it is that this is not sort of like it's not like you could have a cryptocurrency with is where, where this isn't the thing, right? This is literally how it exists. It exists by constantly reusing this this amount of of, of information, um, and this amount of of data. Um, and so unless you're unless Bit- the Bitcoin people are going to go out and install a ton of solar panels everywhere, uh, I hate to break it to the futurists, but your version of a Bitcoin world where you can trade currency, whoever you like, uh, and buy, uh, buy stuff with it, uh, I guess, or just, or of course, this, of course, what's currently happening, just keep it in presume it's it will continue increasing in value for no reason whatsoever
0: and the uh. the trigger on the price and this is the part that this is part that i did understand there were sort of parts of this that jumped out at me as like <laughs> oh i understand that part uh one of the parts that didn't understand to me is that like it's a process of like the, the amount of computer like the more computer power you have the more ability you have to mine right yeah. like so it's like a bit your computer is a mining tool yeah uh almost literally in this case like the metaphor extends pretty well yeah um and so, if uh, and the problem is, is the amount of bits. You know, the, the more bits you can move, in the sense, um, the more chance you have. Because I understand there's, there's to some degree, there's a bit of a lottery component here, um, but. Um, you know the bigger chance you have to make money. so if the concern is okay, well we'll just switch to low power like like more efficient computers and and cheaper electricity then problem solved no because it's just an operation of how much you can afford to mine. so if the price of the bitcoin goes uh, up, people just use more energy if the price of energy if the price of computer power goes up so that you can bu- get more bits per, uh, you know unit of energy then people just mine more so it like it self balances so that it can't ever be energy efficient because the cheaper Anytime something gets cheaper. They just do it more
1: hmm.
0: Right, and that that was the thing so there's no like oh, we'll just innovate our way out of this No, it's sort of based it's predicated on the principle that it can't be innovated as way out of without fundamentally Remaking what it is and how it works like so Bitcoin as Bitcoin
1: cannot be energy efficient well, by definition. It, we'll be like, yeah, it's it's going to always be an energy suck. The question will be whether or not how do you get the energy. But yeah, and and it's it looks as if like basically you you have to, you it still needs to be dramatically bigger to sort of hit a rate of return. In which case, it does not make more sense to. to
0: I have an idea. Anymore. Why don't we just make a law where the only thing you can spend a bit going on is
1: renewable energy. <laughs> Well, that's, that's you know, I we'll get into the <laughs> economics of Bitcoin. Uh, and We're going to wait for Tim. Maybe clear, we'll ask Tim about it. There we go. And Tim's cle- coming on the show. Yeah, today. ask Tim. Uh, and clearly, I'm ludicrously biased in part because people keep talking to me about Bitcoin. Um, but, and, and, uh, you know, there are certainly valuable uses of, especially the blockchain technology. Um, but there, there's a level of which the, I'm until they solve this problem there's n- th- this this technology is not a part of a sustainable future uh, and I think that's sort of my that's where I always end up landing these sort of things is like does this exist in, you know, when to, in 2100 when it is 2.2 degrees hopefully and that get, I hopefully warmer uh, and hopefully that is not like a I want us all to die but I that's apparently the lowest we can hope for right now um, and I think we could do a little bit better and and if we really pay attention to it and that's our that's why we do the show, but twenty one hundred cannot ha- be a Bitcoin run world uh, in 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 this in this case unless unless they unless everyone really commits to to e- energy efficiency in a way that we will not a uh, uh, creation inventory forget energy efficiency. That's what's uh, 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 unbelievable about this is that as this expands, the only way to solve that is to create more and more energy demand, which means, which is the exact opposite of what has to happen. Like we're going around everywhere in the world or like everywhere in Canada and everywhere in, in nations to try to like decrease and make every building more energy efficient. And then we're also just being like, and what if we p- just wasted it to try to get this money that I'm telling people is worth things. Right. Um, and then we're paying for it with Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, again, I'm sure I'm, I'm just hoping no one who likes Bitcoin is listening to the show because we are going to get some angry letters because the I feel like that's the I feel like this, this is the closest nerve you've touched to when we touch to veganism. Yeah. I feel like this is the second on the list. There's like a list of like a complete and exhaustive
0: list of like three things about which I don't really have a good reason for not liking. I just really <laughs> annoys me. And Bitcoin's one of them. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm not reasonable on that topic. I just find it incredibly irritating.
1: Yeah. <laughs> are you yeah. more or less in the same uh, camp, Stephen? Uh, uh, again, until well, it, I think I have a problem with a futurism that doesn't consider our climate change to be a problem and that to me is what bitcoin is currently advocating for
0: <laughs> all right well I, I had another sarcastic email that would have resulted or another sarcastic comment that would have resulted in another fountain of angry email so i'm going to save that at, yeah. at worst for after like, the music break
1: yeah or, or next week when we have a different we have a, whole, we have a, a second set of we should
0: fine. space out the controversial opinions <laughs> exactly
1: okay we've we already right. taken on bitcoin for I'll too th-
0: long i'll throw libertarians under the bus another week <laughs> <laughs> uh, megan Please uh, help us with our second and final music okay. break. Okay,
1: so for our second music break, we have... Uh... We would just drive down the road
0: all right we are back here listening to the green majority here on ciut 89.5 fm our wonderful community radio partner stations internationally uh but of course particularly canada we're canadians a little national pride there we like you better but only slightly because we're canadian we're to be polite <laughs> um that well i'm not even sure that's true i'm not terribly patriotic um yeah. so <laughs> not like in that football team mindless sense i'm not, not right. uh i am for good reason because mm-hmm. uh, canada is pretty cool um sorry international listeners. <laughs> uh so speaking of international listeners, we're going to talk about Cape Town. And the reason we're going to talk about Cape Town in the final section is because their water supply is near the point of no return as reservoirs run dry. Now what does that mean? Okay, so for the last while and I'm going to just skim for the number of that. There we go. Uh for the last 3 years, uh there has been below average rainfall uh, in Cape Town, uh South Africa. And uh this is limited uh, citizens to, uh, as of December, uh, 87 liters per day um, as uh, they're nearing the quote, point of no return. Point of no return, by the way, is a direct quote by Patricia DeLille, who's the city's mayor. Um, and the quote from her was, we can no longer ask people to stop wasting water. We must force them, she told reporters. Starting February 4th, the coast city, coastal cities' inhabitants will be put on a strict ration of 50 liters of water per day per person. Uh, and there's a complete ban on watering lawns, gardens, pools, and cars. Uh, so uh, also people have been asked to shower rather than bathe and to keep it under two minutes. So part of the problem here is that they've, as you say, been been three years of drought, and these extreme measures, uh, relatively extreme measures are coming in just this December because it it is estimated and they and they have pretty good numbers on this because they obviously the city has access to their own data. sixty um, percent of the population is not complying. so, I, there's a there's a number of big takeaways here, and I think we can we can easily fill up our remaining time talking about this But the first one I want to start with Stefan is uh, the fact that uh, one of the strategies because the compliance has been a real issue here. Uh, is that uh, they are publishing maps of residential maps of water usage, so that neighbors can see which neighbors are not complying. <laughs> so that when they're out of water, if it gets to that right. bad, be like, you don't have any water because Susan next door
1: r- right. refused they're, to comply. Yeah, they've gone for like full-on public shaming as a right. A, a well, subject, as a tactic.
0: Well, and and what I'd like to start with, aside from that amazing fact, and aside from the fact that I want you throughout this entire section to be mm. thinking about what if, what if here, what if here, what if here. Right. I want you to be repeating that in your head. What if here, what would happen? How would I react? What would I do? How was here? Was that, I mean, we're talking about, we're not talking about, you know, people not getting access to lawns. We're not talking about that scandal with, uh, I forget what stupid movie star was, you know, watering. Oh, in California? California, like yeah. 100 million acre lawns while there was a drought in California. We're not talking about that. Uh, we're talking about people dying. And so what I'm really concerned about, and, and I think that I'm not the first person to think of this, which means they really are that desperate, mm. is the, one of the risks of doing that is that if people really do start you know, having issues with accessing water, they're talking about uh, if compliance can't be reined in by a certain date, uh, that they will simply turn off the entire city's water supply and force people to go to one of uh, 6,000 water stations for a daily uh, address ration of 50 liters. That they will then have to transport back to their home uh for the day's use um is that if people like if if they get to that point and people are you know dying and scared uh, because there's not enough water uh, and they have to move maybe they don't have the resources to move I mean this is now we're putting people in a situation where you know they're they don't have water and they're they're you know they're now their life is now at risk and now they know why like they know the person they can blame for it that's what I'm really worried about is that this could turn violent really quickly if you put people in a desperate situation we already know what happens uh, but you put them in a desperate situation and tell them whose fault it is uh, I'm really concerned
1: Stefan well it's it's kind of what's interesting about this is I think it's an example of it's a microcosm of of the larger problem that we see right, which is that you can spend apparently you you can spend you know however many years they've sort of known this was this was a possibility, um, at telling everyone to to do the things that we need to do to avoid this, to do the things that we need to avoid this, and then eventually. There's just no other way you can avoid it, right? Like, 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 if you keep it's the same thing about climate change, right? We're literally doing the exact same thing on a much larger scale, of which we are sitting around being like people keep, scientists keep saying we are, we are reaching the limit of how much carbon in the atmosphere. We have now passed that first limit. We should probably stop the second limit. No, why are we still doing this? Please stop. Um, and, and, and this is what's happening on a global scale in, exa- in which we're just blowing past one after no- another of these sort of like, no, but seriously. And now we have a thing called day zero. Like, I, I want to put that anything called any at any point in time if you have to have a day zero as a part of your plan you're already it's already concerning we checked into it it's not good exactly yeah <laughs> yeah. everything's ever been called day zero has not been good um, and so right now they have a date for it April 22nd is gonna be day zero which sounds like the beginning of a zombie movie and not a story that's about to happen in, in a couple months but that is what we're looking at here and it's interesting that that this is that th- that we've just allowed ourselves. This like they've allowed well, that we, we we I say we as a, I guess a global we. A lot of ourselves to get to a point where this is with as possible, and that like again fifty four percent of households were not we're not reaching twenty three. We're, we're not reaching the target, is a very large number of people not doing the thing that, like, I guess I keep hoping to look. I keep hoping we'll find signs that people are will listen to reason, and then. Keep we keep not getting those we keep ignoring those signs, um, and we get to a point where you know where, like twenty three gallons a day is 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 is, a, is, is actually quite a, a not as not not a lot, um, but it's something I couldn't have a less than two minute show. Um, but a but but six but six point six gallons of water, which is what they're going to switch to, is really nothing. Like that's a that's a very different level of water, um, and and. What's causing this is against what they call, of course, a once in a millennium drought. Now, if you remember from earlier 2017, when we discussed how more, much more frequently, uh, once in millennium things are occurring, we can expect three once a century storms in like two weeks. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, like that was a once in a millennium experience, and like you know, this is this is the other side, I guess, of of global warming. There's the sort of flashy uh, natural disaster of You know uh, of the of the hurricanes and everything like that, but then there's this there's the there's the droughts and the droughts themselves end up being almost um, Maybe catch up on you and their crisis point is so much later Mm -hmm. Uh, Then, you know, a hurricane crisis point, it happens, everyone sort of bands together, tries to solve it, moves forward. Whereas a crisis point of a drought is something like this, in which it's three years into the drought that, you know, and and, and now the crisis point is is interpersonal. You know, it's not like, and it's much harder, uh, it's much harder to, you know, if if there had been a hurricane that hit Cape Town, all of South Africa could have, like, banded together and it's like, all right, you know, like, Cape Town strong. We're gonna go and we're gonna go and solve this, and we're all gonna like throw some money together, and we can all feel good. And then you know, and that probably won't be f- won't won't be won't be fully rebuilt, but it'll be somewhat rebuilt, and we'll all feel good about ourselves. Um, but this is the opposite of that. This is this is like no, your ongoing life now is. Dramatically reduced, and you have to deal with 6.6 gallons of water, which is, I think, something like a three or four minute shower, and that's it. That would, that's how much water if you just turn your shower for four minutes.
0: Yes, yeah, so it. D- the, and the limit mm. they're being asked for is two minutes.
1: Two minute shower, yeah. Uh, and so, and that's, and that's all your water. Like that's, that's an it. Inc- and that, in, that includes letting it get to the temperature you like. <laughs> well, well, and drinking. Like that's, like, like that's, like, that's drinking water. That's everything else you may use water for, right? And so there's this, there's this. This is a part of climate change that we have to also understand, which is there's the one crisis point, which is extreme weather. Uh events like a hurricane. And then the other part of the the other part of the of this of climate change is the sort of more pernicious if they use the word pernicious correctly, I'm also gonna annoy gray ma- I'm also gonna annoy people who understand definitions of words, which is again <laughs> the other half of our audience. So there they go. Um but the but this much more problematic experience of of the of droughts and things like that that sort of create systems where there is areas for tension in between people, you know, there is a there's that great, um, great sort of article about how the about how the Syrian war was in some way precipitated by by droughts um, and and these types of sort of destabilizing effects are the reason why the Pentagon uh, which we will say, which I will remind everyone, like once every month, uh, that the Pentagon has declared global warming to be the largest security threat to North to America and the world's safety generally. Um, like five years, Ge-
0: geopolitical stability.
1: Yeah, it's like you know, it's the word they like yeah, to use. It, it is, it is the it has been it has been winning that that question for like five years in a row, and it's it's still there, and we're still not doing anything about it, and so this is still going to get worse, and so, it, like, the fact that we didn't, the fact that Cape Town sort of like only implemented it so late to, to get to the point that they were clearly holding out everything, hoping that they might get something else. And... They've got to the point where now they can't. And it, what's interesting about this, I should just, as a quick note, is that it's not that actually they'll be a hundred percent out of water. Um, they've there's basically a ten percent version where the reservoir becomes costly and difficult to extract. So they've agreed that thirteen point five percent of water capacity is where they'll actually stop at, um, and they'll keep the last bit of water as backup, basically, and then have people keep using that last three point five percent as a way to with that that that's how the six point six gallons will be sort of maintained. But this is this is. Devastating, You know, this is this is this is the kind of thing that and, and there's no end in sight. This is just that, that's the thing about this is that I think when there's the crisis points, the idea is we can rebuild and then life will carry on like normal. This is normal life now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the life of Cape Town residents until this drought breaks. Um, and, and there's, you know, no end in sight, really right there's not it's not saying here that there's like from april until august it's just april 22nd is the day right. and after that we will see yeah and that's terrifying
0: so Stefan, uh to, to close we're getting towards the end of the program here i'm gonna i i changed my mind i am gonna throw uh libertarians under the bus all right go for it uh so, but if it makes them feel better it won't um <laughs> i'm gonna throw neoliberals under the bus as well uh. so this is a good example of a situation the situation we just described, uh, Cape Town, South Africa, three years of drought, been warning the entire time to cut water use, 60% of people aren't listening. Libertarian solution is goes one of two ways. Either you're uh, ignorant and you think that people will all cooperate naturally without government stepping in to share equally so that everyone gets enough. Okay, good luck with that. Uh, have you met humans? uh the cynical might makes right and that's just the world we live in blo- uh nature bloody and tooth and claw sort of libertarian is that the strong get take people take the water they need to survive and other people die uh might makes right and people just do what they need so those are those are the libertarian solutions to this situation Uh, The uh, neoliberal solution to this situation is deregulate and give corporations power, which means great water is now a scarce resource and it's now $10,000 a liter and the 16 richest people in Cape Town can't survive and everybody else dies. That no, that's it. That's the end of it. So here, this is why sometimes for the greater good, governments must be empowered to make difficult decisions, as this mayor did to shame and potentially put in danger uh, some of the city's residents, uh, because otherwise more people suffer for longer and sometimes that is what you got to do and that is something which i'm sorry libertarians and that's more of just a joke because nobody's going to be starting a libertarian government anytime soon it's a complete f- work of fiction in people's <laughs> minds but anyway we know this is not a show about political theory uh much more importantly and much more direct because it is a system we are confronted with on a regular basis uh that no deregulating corporations and letting them choose the thing and let markets decide uh in this case just means bodies and it's that simple
1: well, like, there's, yeah. How do you respond, right? How How on earth do we find a way to um, to get closer to the the answer of really? I think internalizing what the what climate change means. Climate change means that we are going to have to start having these discussions. Climate change means we're going to start having plans for these things. You know, when Houston ignores for six, seven, eight years, uh, the fact that they are in massively in danger of a, another large hurricane, and we all know another hurricane is going to eventually come and hit there, and then it does, that is governments failing to make the difficult decision of, of, uh, of, of charging more to make their cities more Protected from climate change, and and like and as much as as much as we must obviously work incredibly hard to to prevent the warming that we can and to mitigate what we what's already happening, we also really have to start building our cities to withstand some of these things. Like right. there, like there's there needs to be a, a secondary step here, which is understanding that we're already experiencing the amount of of destruction that we are that we are. And, and this could be this could be in this could be the silent destruction of a three-year long drought or the very loud destruction of a hurricane. but both are going both require our cities to wake up uh, and and protect themselves and build to be p- planning for this. And you even see it here, you know the the a, day, a few days after the, um, after the islands were flooded last year in Toronto, uh, there was a big, you know, big storm. Most, off some of the islands flooded. They were sort of unavailable for all of July uh, because of because of the storm. We decided the council devoted not to fund a plan that would have helped with stormwater drain off and and, and, and stuff like that. It's like this is we're doing this to ourselves in in every way. It's not, you know, it's not just that we're creating the problem and refusing to address it. We're also just not preparing for what we know is coming. Uh, And both of these things are necessary if we're going to move forward, especially if we're looking at a 2.2 degree warming world. Um, And and, you know, th- you, these, this, these problems cannot be solved by sending helicopters in the air to shoot wolves. Uh, they need a much larger plan. Uh, and yet I feel like that's sort of like th- that. I feel like that is a good analogy of the sort of stopgap measures we're trying right now is like, well, what if we did something ridiculous? Um, and, and, we, and the answer has to be no, we have to do slow, careful response to this because there's not a helicopter wolf shooting option that exists for climate change.
0: So this week's uh, subtitle to wrap up the show, Stefan, is uh, I'm not sure what the salute, but I'm pretty sure most people aren't going to like it. <laughs> uh, that's too long. Well, I'll, I'll workshop that. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of The Green Majority. We have guests coming back. Ash will be around sometime. We'll get uh, we'll get that tech- technical issue sorted out, and we'll listen to Pas- uh, Ash another week talk about Parksify. Other than that, uh, please enjoy your week uh, and uh, have a good green week. Yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all real soon.